So welcome back again to the second part of Second Space, 102FM. My name is John Keeley. And this morning, uh, Shane is going to give us, um, well, well, really bring us up to date with something that Pope Francis announced there just before Christmas. I think Shane actually mentioned in one of our programs before Christmas. Uh, this is actually the year of St. Joseph. And so Shane is going to explain a little bit more to us about what, that, what, what that's all about and what it entails and so on and so forth. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Um, so we had mentioned it on last week's program, and we'd also mentioned it in one of the Christmas programs as well. So for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is the 8th of December, Pope Francis made an announcement which kind of caught everyone on the hop. We weren't quite expecting anything like it. And it was kind of a bit small, a bit low-key as well. So what he's done is he has proclaimed what's called a year of St. Joseph. Now, you know, we've had these over the, the last couple of years. You might remember we had the year for vocations, we had the year for the clergy, we had the year of faith, we had the Jubilee of Mercy, um, the year of St. Paul, all over the last couple of years, the year of the Eucharist. And the idea being that there's a particular focus um, given um, for people to reflect on and to think about and to pray about and, and so on and so forth. Um, now, it depends. Some of the years obviously get more of attraction with the public than others. Um, and, you know, but generally they, this one, we'll have to see how it goes. But basically, um, Pope Francis published a letter, an apostolic letter called Patris Corde, which means with a father's heart. And it was published to time around with the, um, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And what it is, is that he is declaring, it, it, it recalls the 150th anniversary of the declaration of St. Joseph as patron of the Universal Church. And to mark that occasion, we've, he's declared a year of St. Joseph. So um, it's it's an interesting one because, of course, St. Joseph was declared the patron of the church in by Pope Pius IX uh, back in well, 150 years ago, whatever that is, John, 1870-something. And... Um, uh, so it's it's and so the Pope is has given a reflection on this letter, and then as well as that, there has been um, the Apostolic Penitentiary has also issued um, guidance where people can get plenary indulgences, indulgences during the year. So I suppose first of all, I suppose dealing with kind of why um, the letter has been published, aside from the fact that it's the 150th anniversary, is that the Pope said very much writing against the back drop, of course, of what's happening with the COVID-19 pandemic around the world. And it was an interesting one. It was the first part of the letter which struck me very much so. And he said, you know, he has helped, the pandemic has helped us to see more clearly the importance of ordinary people who, although far from the limelight, exercise patience and other and offer hope every day. And in this way, of course, that they resemble St. Joseph, the man who goes unnoticed, a daily discreet and hidden presence, um, who nevertheless played an, an incomparable role in the history of salvation. And of course, St. Joseph, of course, has a number of titles that have been given to him. He's, you know, he's patron of the church, universal church, which we celebrate uh, generally around the 19th of March, which is, of course, his f major feast day. Um, and then, of course, we have also have St. Joseph the Worker, who celebrates his feast day on the 1st of May. Um, then again, he was also called um, Guardian of the Redeemer by John Paul II. That was another title that was given to him as well. And it's just, it, it's an interesting one, of course, because as we all know, St. Joseph is He's a saint that's there. We're all familiar with him, but we don't know a whole lot about him in terms of he is a silent character throughout the Gospels. 
So in the Gospel of, of Matthew, in the Gospel of Luke, which is where we come across him most often, um, there is no words attributed to St. Joseph. He's the silent, you know, he's the strong silent type in the background, John. <laughs> so, um, so then again, I suppose, reflecting on it, Pope Francis puts forward a number of, of, of uh, reflections or characteristics for us to think about St. Joseph in the next 12 months. And I suppose the first one is, you know, it, and that's what's, that's what's in the letter. So the letter itself, it's only, it's only um, 10 pages. It's not very long. Um, and it's, it's, it's readable enough. Um, and Pope Francis takes us through the different categories of the different headings. So he, he reflects on St. Joseph as the, the beloved father, the tender and loving father, um, he reflects on St. Joseph in his role as an obedient father. Um, he reflects on him uh, as well, looking at him to the, to the idea of him being an accepting father, a creative, courageous father, creatively courageous father, actually, which I thought was an interesting one, and then also a working father. And, it's, it's, uh, and then uh, the final part of it is a father in the shadows. So very much linking back into that idea that you know Saint Joseph is 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 there in the background, but not kind of if you like a star of the show. Um, I might just come in there for a second because thanks a lot indeed for you know for sharing that that uh, that letter with me. But you you just mentioned there where Pope mentions about um, an accepting father, and just one thing that struck me on it, and I might just share it with some of the listeners. Often in life, things happen whose meaning we do not understand. Our first reaction is frequently one of disappointment and rebellion. But Joseph set aside his own ideas in order to accept the course of events, and as mysterious as they seemed, to embrace them, take responsibility for them, and make them part of his own history. Unless we are reconciled with our own history, we will be unable to take a single step forward. We'll always remain hostage to our expectations and disappointments. And he just finishing off in this this particular section. Joseph is certainly not passively resigned, but courageously and firmly proactive in our in our lives. Acceptance and welcome can be an acceptance an expression of the Holy Spirit's gift of fortitude. Only the Lord can give us the strength needed to accept life as it is, with all its contradictions, frustrations, and disappointments. And I think. That kind of spoke to me, Shane, because I, I think we're all in that boat from time to time, and Joseph was certainly in it. I mean, Joseph had his problems, right? And, and, and Joseph couldn't see into the future. But Joseph was some strong father or accepting father or accepting terms of faith to accept all this stuff, having to go to Bethlehem and, and, and then having to go off to Egypt and then all this sort of stuff. I know he's a quiet man. He's always been portrayed as a quiet man, you know, and very little is spoken about him in the Gospels. But I think after saying that, he probably has an awful lot to teach us. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, I, I, I would, I would say that, and it's something that Pope Francis draws out very much in in the letter as well. Um, I suppose it's it's one that he says, you know, Joseph's spiritual path is not one that explains but accepts. Uh, but it's not, you know, that he just just is a doormat that's died there. He, he's courageously and firmly proactive, mm. is how Pope Francis describes it. And of course, Pope Francis has a a very strong devotion to St. Joseph. And I don't know if people might remember back when he was elected Pope, there was quite a bit made about the fact that one of his uh, one of his things he has done for many years as a priest is that if he has a problem, he has a statue of sleeping St. Joseph, he calls it. 
and he puts, if he has an intention or he has a worry, he writes it on a piece of paper and he puts it under St. Joseph's sleeping head and asks St. Joseph to look after it, which I thought was a, you know, a lovely kind of familial um, relationship with the great saint. And as you said, John, you know, the whole thing of accepting um, the, 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 the past as, as, as it's put out, it's, you know, as you say, it's accepting life with all its contradictions and frustrations and, and I suppose their disappointments as well. And it echoes that sentence, you know, do not be afraid um you know because and it's it's you know it's it's that whole idea of as well he encourages us to accept and welcome others uh, welcoming others as they are um without exception and also to show special concern i suppose for the weak um it also i suppose links in very much with courage and you know i suppose it's not something maybe necessarily we would think about directly with saint joseph um, but I suppose it's, it's how we deal with difficulties in life. And I suppose very appropriate to the time that we're in at the moment, I suppose, in just how we face things down. It's not easy to do. There's no two ways around it. Our resilience, our levels of being able to cope are very much drained as we're heading into kind of the current situation that we have. I suppose even now more than ever, maybe it would be an example to look and ask St. Joseph for help. Um, you know, because he had to deal with very concrete problems that his family faced uh, and that other families are facing, you know. Um, and in particular, Pope Francis draws particular attention to the fact that the Holy Family was were refugees. And I think it's something for us that we need to think about a little bit, um, actually, particularly, you know, particularly in Ireland. There's a lot of conversation around the whole thing of refugees and our roles and responsibilities to take in people needing assistance. And um, I suppose one thing to think about in relation to that is that, um, you know, around the world, there are, there are millions of people who have been, been displaced from their homes. And from a purely humanitarian perspective, forget about it from the point of view of religion or moral response, from that point, moral, religious moral responsibility. As human beings, we have a responsibility to our fellow human beings to look after them and to make sure that they're, 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 they're cared for. But I suppose Pope Francis puts St. Joseph out there as a patron of all those forced to leave their native lands because of war, hatred, persecution and poverty. And, you know, because he's, he's, he's very much that example. The Holy Family had to flee the Holy Land and, and flee to Egypt for many years until such time as Herod was dead. And it's something we don't think about very much, I suppose. And there was a couple of interesting um, pictures online over the Christmas depicting, um, there was two sad, There was two in particular that, that struck me. One was a modern depiction of a refugee family and it was very evident. It was a young man looking after his, his wife, his partner, and she was obviously pregnant. And you were thinking to yourself, put a donkey under it and it's, you know, it's, it's the Holy Family. Uh, but obviously it was jarring because it was pictured in a modern urban setting. And then the other one was, it's a very ancient fresco, it's a, it's a Renaissance fresco that shows Joseph leading Mary and Jesus on the donkey towards Egypt. It's called The Flight into Egypt. It's a very renowned Renaissance painting. And in the background, someone had superimposed in the silhouettes of refugees fleeing their homes. And it was very powerful and very challenging to us. And it's an interesting one because it links into the whole idea as well of St. Joseph as guardian. You know, um, because that, that obviously he was guardian of Mary, guardian of Jesus, as, uh, you know, and looking after them. And also very much because of the fact that he looked after 
Jesus. And he looks after, now he looks after us as the church because he looks after us as the church is the body of Christ. Um, you know, and he looks after those that are most in need. So it's kind of reminded us that every poor, needy, suffering or person that's dying, every stranger, every prisoner is a child whom Joseph continues to protect, as how Pope Francis puts it. And, you know, we must we must learn to love the church and the poor, um, is, is what Pope Francis says that St. Joseph has to teach us. Um, the other thing about it, of course, is very much, which I found interesting in, in the letter, is very much that Pope Francis dwells on uh, the dignity of work. And it's something, I think, which doesn't, isn't necessarily kind of said often enough, I suppose, is that there is a dignity in working. There's a dignity that we carry as human beings in being able to do work, to earn our keep, to feed ourselves. And it's part of what's called Catholic social teaching or Catholic social doctrine, which is that kind of hidden teaching of the church about how we we should we sh- how we should function in society and the dignity of work was very much kind of dealt with by Roverum Novarum, which was a, a letter pub- published by a uh, written by Pope Leo the Thirteenth. So we're going back to kind of to the 1890s when you know at that time there was the whole exploitation of workers during the Industrial Revolution, and Pope Fra- Pope Leo the Thirteenth, you know, picked out this whole idea that. There is a dignity to work that we need to recognize and that people should be able to value, um, you know, the value and the dignity and the joy of what it means to eat bread, which is the fruit of one's own labor. But, of course, from the other side of that, then it comes, you know, the issue of unemployment and particularly at the current time. Um, where there are so many people who have, are out of work, are on restricted payments, are on restricted hours, um, and you know, in Ireland, but across many countries as well. And there's a renewed, renewed need, I suppose, to appreciate the importance of dignified work, of which St. Joseph is given as a patron. And I suppose, you know, we often talk about um, patron saints, John, when we do the liturgy, when we do the liturgical odds and ends. And I suppose, you know, for people out there that are kind of looking for a patron, particularly in challenging situations relating to work, have a word with St. Joseph. He might be the man you need to talk to, you know, because, of course, St. Joseph, in tradition, has him as a carpenter. Um, but technically, if you look at the Greek word for the, for the job that he is, it's actually a craftsperson. So we're not quite sure if he was a carpenter or he could have been someone mm. that worked in stone. But he was a person of skill, with skills. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's generally the tradition we have of St. Joseph. And, of course, the corresponding side of that is in the world of the time, if Jesus was being brought up as his son, Jesus would have learned his father's trade. So we know that, you know, before he went out to do his public ministry for the first 30 years of his life, Jesus was a carpenter or he was a tradesman following in probably in Joseph's steps. He wasn't exactly sitting around playing his Nintendo. No, um, you know, no. that's that's not how it worked no. in, in, in the Palestine of the time. <laughs> and the interesting thing about it is just in terms of work, Pope Francis says, or he reminds us that, you know, work is a means of participating in the work of salvation. You know, to develop our talents and our abilities and to put them at the service of society. And, um, you know, and those who, those who work, Pope Francis says, are cooperating with God himself and in some way become creators of the world around us. I suppose if you go back to the book of Genesis and we look to the very beginning when, you know, the, the, the story of Genesis tells us about the creation of the universe and that humanity is there as as helpers with God in the garden. They are there. And the whole kind of message behind that 
is very much a reminder to us that we are co-creators with God. It's one of the gifts that he has given us, that we assist him in the creation, working in creation and creating um, to it. And But that also brings us challenges, as we've learned, as as Pope Francis has highlighted in his encyclical Laudato Si, in terms of our responsibilities to the environment and to the planet and to the world around us. But getting back, I suppose, to, to, to the reflection on St. Joseph, Pope Francis encourages everyone to rediscover the value, the importance and the necessity of work. It's not something that you hear very often. The value, the importance and the necessity of work for bringing about a new normal from which no one is excluded. And, of course, that very much ties in with his recent letter, Fratelli Tutti, talking about kind of the need for community, cooperation and fraternity uh, among, all, among people and among societies. And, you know, he, Pope Francis asks people to review our priorities and to express our firm conviction that no young person, no person at all, no family should be without work. Um, then another interesting one, of course, is very much the idea of St. Joseph as the father in the shadows. Now, it depends, I suppose. It, uh, to me, I suppose when I first read it, I was kind of going, uh, where's the Pope going with this one? I wasn't quite sure. But what he was doing was he was tying it into a book that he'd, re- he'd read by a Polish writer called Jan Dobroyskinski, I think is how you pronounce the man's name. And it's, it's an interesting one. He said, Pope Francis makes the point, fathers are not born, but made. A man does not become a father simply by bringing a child into the world, but by taking up the responsibility to care for that child. And I think, you know, it's an important point that needs to be made, I think, I suppose. And the Pope Francis makes it himself. Unfortunately, in today's society, children often seem orphans lacking fathers, and not just fathers, but um, who are able to introduce them to life and reality. Children, the Pope says, need fathers who will not try to dominate them, but instead raise them to be capable of deciding for themselves, enjoying freedom and exploring new possibilities. And it was an interesting one, actually. He does a bit of, he does a small bit of reflection on that in terms of, you know, to 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 let the child, a true father knows they've done a job when the child no longer needs them. Um, you know, and it's it's uh, he says, you know, Saint Joseph is described as a most chaste father, which is the opposite of domineering and possessiveness. And um, he never made himself the centre of things. He did not think of himself, but was focused on the lives of Mary and Joseph. And he makes the point that only when, you know, a possessive love ultimately becomes dangerous. It imprisons, it constricts, and it makes for misery. And many people, I suppose, or some people would have had that experience of, of, of it as well. But he reminds us that God himself loved humanity. He let us free even to go astray and set ourselves against him. And the logic of love is always the logic of freedom. And Joseph knew how to love with extraordinary freedom, which I thought was a, for me, it was kind of one of the standout paragraphs in the whole letter in terms of you could reflect on that section for quite a number, quite a while and, and to think and reflect on it. Then as well as that, I suppose the Pope reminds us, I suppose, that, you know, um, a father realizes that he's most a father and an educator at the point where he becomes useless when he sees that his child has become independent and can walk the paths of life unaccompanied. Um, being a father, the Pope emphasizes, has nothing to do with possession, but as a, rather as a sign pointing to a greater fatherhood, of course, and links it back, of course, to the fatherhood of our Heavenly Father in, in, in heaven. And then at the end, he gives us um, you know, a, a particular prayer to St. Joseph, 
uh, which he recommends for the year and which we might pray at the end of the reflection. Mm -hmm. But in addition, I suppose, to that, um, I suppose a couple of other things, you know, um, that the Pope, uh, as, as just to, to, to confirm, I suppose, for people, is the year that's dedicated to St. Joseph, right? It began on December the 8th, and it concludes next year on December the 8th. And as I said, that marks the 150th anniversary of the declaration of St. Joseph as the patron of the Universal Church by, by Pius IX in 1870. Um, it's, it's an interesting one as well. It's, uh, as I said, and for me, I suppose that the other, as I said at the start, the key thing was that whole idea of the pandemic has forced us to recognize the ordinary people that do the ordinary things throughout life that make it easier for everybody else. And finally, I suppose just to pass out, I, there's various different um, things that have been done, I suppose, to to uh, fit it in um, for for uh, for our suggestions for what people can do during the year, John. And just I'll just give a couple of couple of these. Um, so, the, uh, and this is also where plenary indulgences have been granted for people that do this. So, if you meditate for at least thirty minutes on the Lord's Prayer or take part in a spiritual retreat with one day that includes meditation on St. Joseph. Um, for those who perform a spiritual or corporal works of mercy, following the example of St. Joseph, the recitation of the Holy Rosary in families or particularly among engaged couples is what the Pope has, has kind of focused on as another way of kind of thinking about it. Everyone who entrusts their daily activity to the protection of St. Joseph, um, and then also for those who recite the litany of Saint Joseph, um, or uh, the, 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 the indulgence is available. And for the sick, um, the Pope has made the point that if they, um, you know, obviously for those who are unable to leave their homes for whatever reason, if they can, if they are able to complete the requirements, which is communion, confession, and a prayer for the Pope intention as soon as possible, they can also benefit from the indulgences. Uh, so that's kind of it, John, in terms of the year of St. Joseph. And also just to flag to people to keep an eye on Knock, um, because the Shrine at Knock is, is planning to do something for the year of St. Joseph. Obviously, of course, very much keeping in mind the connection St. Joseph has with Knock, as he was one of those that appeared with Our Lady at the Shrine at, during the apparition. Shane, thank you so much indeed for sharing that information with us, uh, bringing it to our attention. And maybe just to finish off this section that Shane suggested, we might just pray this prayer that, um, that Pope Francis left us. Hail, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to you God entrusted his Holy Son. In you Mary placed her trust. With you Christ became man. Blessed Saint Joseph, to us too show yourself a father and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy and courage, and, it, and defend us from every evil. Amen. So now we're going with our, with our second piece of music this morning. And this one, it's one of my favourites actually. It helps us to maybe finish off the Christmas season too. It's by Dr. Ralph Wilson, and this one is entitled St. Joseph's Song. So come back and join us in part three, where we we'll reflect on the Word of God, Sunday Gospel. Oh, cool. 
this baby in my arms, sleeping now so peacefully. The Son of God, the angel said, How could it be? He's not my own, not of my flesh, not of my bone. Still, Father, let this baby be the son of my love. Father, show. And when he cries, the sun just seems to disappear. And when he laughs, it shines again. How could it be? Father, show. Angel said. 